real estate over there and hustle over here. Got real estate over there and hustle over here. Welcome to the Uninvited House Guest Podcast. I'm Tony Stanford. I'm Joy Bailey. Thank you for checking us out. All right, so here goes some more house mail. Um, the person says, if you can afford it, would you rather put 20% down to avoid PMI and a larger monthly payment, or would you do FHA and put 3% down, have a larger monthly payment? I feel like she just wrote something bad, but okay. Pay PMI and have more money left over in savings. Yeah, something is not supposed to be larger. But okay, we'll continue reading and I'll come back and fix it. Um, and if you choose FHA, what would you do with extra money left over? I personally dislike the thought of paying PMI, but I also would probably cry seeing my savings dwindle. So, um, I think what she meant was how it's not a larger monthly payment if you pay the 20% down. That doesn't make sense. Oh, she said okay. to avoid she, the PMI and a larger payment. But if you if you don't put it, so pay she, the, so she said larger payment twice. Oh uh, yeah, she said it twice. Payment. Okay, got you. Yeah. I was like something there. You're right. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. So the question, I guess, question one is: Is PMI good or bad? I guess maybe maybe we start there, and then we'll address whether you should put twenty down or three down or yeah. So yeah, should, should you should, is PMI a, a bad word? Oh my gosh. It is for people with good credit. So, it's so funny. Like, people with, like, really good credit, incomes, and all that, they think you cussing at them when you say PMI. Like, they're like, don't talk to me like that. Like, <laughs> what <laughs> like, I do? And what's so funny is when they realize that mortgage insurance is, like, $50 a month. And I'm talking about, like, a $400,000 house. You got good credit. You know, you put down a little bit of money. Like fifty, sixty dollars a month. Then all of a sudden they're like, "Oh," because they're thinking it's this astronomical amount. Mm-hmm. And it can be. It can be for sure. If you don't have, you know, good credit, it. So let's talk. What is mortgage insurance? Mortgage insurance is separate from your actual mortgage. They're individual companies that go and they underwrite the risk of the loan that the bank is going to give you because basically they are backing what the bank says. So they have to pay back the money that you default on should you not make your payments and the house going to foreclosure. Mm -hmm. So they need to assess, well, how much of a risk are you? If you're not really a risk and they're pretty sure they're not going to have to write a check because, you know, your house didn't go into foreclosure, you don't need to pay out as much. Mm -hmm. If you somebody who ain't never paid nothing one time, they're going to hit you in the head. Period. Like, that's that's the best way to explain it. So it's bad if you're the wrong person. It's bad if you're the wrong person. <laughs> but it's good if you're the wrong person, too. Because in both circumstances, mortgage insurance is the bridge between having no money and having a house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True. Very true. Because I don't know anybody that can save 20%. Like, and I mean, I'm talking about all income brackets. Like, we can't, we often assume people that you make $100,000, $150,000, you got a lot of money. They don't be having no money either, (laughs) y'all. They don't, like, they don't be having no money either. Like, they broke too. Like, people, they, everybody in America spends more than what they earn. Like, even the gurus do. Like, don't let anybody fool you and make you feel bad. That's just a fact. But the mortgage insurance is there because it's a, it's a shortcut. You know, y'all like hacks? Here's a hack. Get mortgage insurance. Yes. So, if, if you have to choose between being a homeowner and not being a homeowner, take the PMI. 
Yeah. Is the message there. Okay, I can roll with that. All right, so the next part of the question, she says basically 20% down or 3% down. Um, and then we can get to the last part later. So 20%, 3% down. There's some options between 3 and 20, by the way, just so you guys know. But um, she said just 3 or 20. So obviously, if you do FHA, it's actually 3.5%. It's 3.5%. It's 3.5%. A, so a lot yeah, of it is inaccurate. Exactly. But yeah. yeah. So it's 3.5%, um, which again is the minimal. You can, uh, you can put more down. They allow you to put more down. Um, and again, Typically, you can, you know, if you do go with that option, you can always refinance after getting it and get the PMI off if you have the 20%. So, she technically can do both um, if she wanted to go that route. Um, so, yeah. I don't know. 3%, 2%. It's 3.5%. Um, and then this was, the, I guess, the funny part. She said she didn't want to see her savings dwindle, which means she actually does have some money, right? So, people often say people with money are cheap. Um and I think it's, you know, you. I, she probably did a lot of her work, do some savings, maybe some odd jobs, some uh, side hustle, you know, gig economy, all that cool stuff. So, I mean, it, it definitely probably took her a lot of work to build it up. So, I could also see her having issues with kind of handing it all over. But likely, she probably is going to buy expensive furniture anyway. So, one way or another, it's going to dwindle. It's just where is she going to put it, right? Mm-hmm. Do you want to have, again, a lower fixed monthly payment? Or do you want to spend it on, you know, a large, you know, 100-inch TV? I feel like we got 100-inch TVs now. Um, a large 100-inch TV that you can watch Super or something, all right? Like, you know. Um, These TVs getting bigger and bigger. Yes, ma'am. So, mm. I don't know. That's I guess it was. that's a good question. So, I don't know. Would you? I think most people are probably just going to get new furniture if, if they did it. Um, but, again, also those people who, hey, I want a car, this is your opportunity to get your car to after you got the house and, got through the loan process so it's it's a lot lots to think about um but i don't I mean again if you the fact that she knew how to save means it won't necessarily dwindle it just she can start it over she now has she accomplished that first goal and now she can continue and kind of rebuild her her stash so i'll tell you what i see in this one I'm assuming she has really good credit because of the statement about not liking to pay PMI. Like, you know, when I first got into this job, I learned or I was told that you really only talk to about four or five people. You know, characteristics of people, they they transcend race and everything, you know. And so usually the people that say stuff like that are the ones with the good credit because they feel like they're being penalized. Mm-hmm. So... Assuming that that is true here, and she says she saved some money, I don't know why this lady is looking at an FHA loan. I have questions. I think what happened is that she came to the internet first rather than talking to professionals. Okay. That's exactly what this looks like because this doesn't make any sense at all. You have 20% and you're waffling with the idea of an FHA loan. Like, FHA is not a go-to loan whenever you're talking to a mortgage professional um, because the mortgage insurance that she's running away from is going to be there for the life of the loan. Mm -hmm. Um, or, Or if she puts down the minimum amount. Or, you know... For a very, very long time, you know, right. more than 10 years, if she even puts down even more money. So, um, the the point of the story is she needs to do, she could do a couple of things. She could do a conventional loan, put down the minimum, get into the house. Um, right now, cash is king, you know, we're in a recession. You don't know what might happen. 
So holding on to your coins might not be a terrible idea if the debt ratio is going to be able to support it. Mm -hmm. What you can do is a recast. And so if she's truly more concerned about the payment, which, again, it didn't sound like she was, sound like she was worried about the mortgage insurance, had a mortgage insurance for a year, recast the loan by taking a lump sum, maybe closing the gap if she's not quite at 20% equity, and get a new payment that's going to be lower. Um, and kind of split the baby that way. I like that. It's a, it's a win-win. But yeah, like I said, I want people, people to understand that PMI isn't necessarily a bad thing. So I feel like it's got a bad rep. And that there are some of them that they are really bad and expensive and lengthy. I get it. But it's probably not as bad as you think. Because, um, again, at the end of the day, it's allowing you to get in the house with little to nothing down, right? Which is your goal, right? To get a house. Um, so it's a, you know, it's a necessary evil, for lack of a better word. So I think, uh, again, no matter where you are in the situation, and to her point, again, we're in a recessionary times, right? So it's definitely, you want to keep cash in your bank as much as possible. So definitely um, do that. And then don't do anything with the leftover savings. Keep it since it's savings. That's what you said you was, she said she didn't want it to dwindle, but she's willing to spend it on other stuff. So mm-hmm. that means you want to buy a boat or something? Like, what's going on here? Like, um, so I, did, I definitely got questions, but it was a, I thought a interesting topic. Cause like I said, I definitely see a lot of tweets and stuff about, hey, don't do PMI or don't do this or Dave Ramsey, don't if you can't afford to put twenty percent down, don't get a house. Like you know, so you see a lot of that too. Dave so, Ramsey needs to slow down. I mean, you know, slow your road. He's got a nice cult like following, you know. I know, but I'm telling. I really want somebody to do like an expose on these people because no, you. I just don't think everybody is who they claim to be financially. I just don't. Fair enough. I don't know about that. Fair enough. So you know. Again, so definitely think about it, research it. It depends on your personal credit profile and payment and all that stuff like that to determine if it's good or bad. But ultimately, it's a means to an end. So don't write it off because you have to use PMI. Um, I guess is the I guess the message here, right? So do what makes you happy. I don't, I don't really. I totally say it depends, but I think in this case, do what makes you happy. If you have it, use it. If you don't want to use it, don't use it. And you're not, your money's not dwindling. You're just literally moving it from one investment spot to another. Absolutely. You can always get your money out if you sell your house. Sell your house, yep. Refinance, take a HELOC, whatever. Never get that out of furniture. Like, you buy some (laughs) furniture, you buy a car. Anything else you use it on. It's going to go. Anything else you use it on is definitely a loss. So, again, get the house, get the keys, figure it out from there. Yeah. Agreed. So we got this segment of the podcast where we do like a trending topic. It's just a real quick blitz. Um, if it's if a discussion gets too good, it'll turn into a further discussion later. But it's called Mortgage Points. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's about mortgages, obviously, or potentially about mortgages. Um, and today's topic is... So we had an announcement um, that I would say rocked our world in mortgage. And every now and again, we do have, have these seismic shifts where we don't really know how things are going to play out. But because somebody told us we have to do something, it's kind of like, all right, we're going to fall forward, right? We're going to figure our way through it. And I think the last time we had something like this was like maybe about eight years ago with the TRIAD guidelines and the disclosures and all of the things, right? 
Well, recently, I'll say about three weeks ago, um, the regulators for Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, um, they are the federal um, housing, uh, that's not it. What is it? FHFA. I don't know. It's FHFA. Um, they basically are the regulators for Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, and they tell them what to do and how to do. And under their guidelines, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac come up with their own rules for, you know, this is the minimum credit score and so on and so on and so on. So they're big brother. Well, they basically announced that they wanted to redesign the loan level pricing adjustments matrix. So um, we call them LLPAs. Um, what is an LLPA, Joy? Okay, I'm glad you asked. So an LLPA is basically all of the tranches or slices or, or pieces of the puzzle that make up your specific interest rate. So mm -hmm. these variables or differentiators are going to be put in and, and we're going to decide, um, you know, should you be hurt because your credit score falls below this or should we help, you know, with your interest rate because you are putting this much money down and little things like that. So, Historically, we've only considered a few things. Okay. We've only considered your credit score, which that's one piece of the puzzle. The purpose of the property. So is this going to be a second home? Is this going to be an investment property? Is it going to be a primary residence? Um, that's a part of it. Um, another thing is, well, what type of apartment, well, not apartment, but what type of property is it? Is it going to be a condo? Because condos, believe it or not, uh, come with a higher interest rate than a single family home. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes you look at a townhome and I quote one rate and I'm like, oh, well, they listed this townhouse as a condo, so it's a different interest rate. So that's a part of it. Um, your location, like your geographic region Everybody probably doesn't realize this, but California has the best rates because they have the biggest loan amounts. Um, another thing, how much money are you putting down? So what is the loan to value? If you're putting down the minimum, then, you know, we're considering you more of a risk than somebody who's putting down 20% uh, down. If, strangely enough, the sweet spot was if you put 15% down, even though you had mortgage insurance, you were considered better than somebody putting down 20%. Hmm. So, ha-ha, Dave Ramsey. Um, yeah, you think you know everything and you don't. Well, basically, the new pricing adjusters have flipped everything upside down. And it's going to get um, worse before it gets better. Um, basically, now... If you can imagine this scenario, um, <laughs> if you have good credit and a lot of money, your rate is probably going to be worse than someone with a lower credit score putting down less money. Say that again. Okay. So, again, before, and this is, again, I want y'all to know, we're not talking about FHA, we're not talking about VA, we're not talking about USDA. This is specifically for conventional loans from Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. Okay. So the new LLPAs are, are basically setting the clients up 
better, I guess, that's who wins. If you have a lower credit score and you're putting down less money. So it almost incentivizes it. So much so that if you're somebody with a higher credit score and you're putting down more money down, you are going to have a higher interest rate than the person with the lower credit score. So this is it's a lot of other things that are involved, but let's let's attack that part first. I'm looking at the matrix while I'm talking to you. So effectively, if you're somebody that has a 740 to a 759 credit score and you are putting down let's say 15%, you are going to be hit way worse in pricing and rate than someone with a 625 credit score putting down 3%. Okay. And when I say way worse, I'm talking about like a half a point. Like I'm talking about the swing is is pretty 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 big. So you're basically let's say the interest rates are um five and a quarter. Five and a quarter. Let's say the person gets the five and a quarter with the lower credit score. Well, you are probably going to be closer to like a 5.75, if you're putting down more money. So, I'm trying to understand the, the rationale behind it. Like, I get what they're doing, but I don't necessarily understand the why behind it. But I guess my other question is, well... Is the, are they trying to incentivize people who typically want to get homes to get homes? Is that what they're trying to do? Yeah. Um, and if so, does the inventory support what they're trying to do? Because usually, this, I feel like government, or even just managers when you work jobs, right, they usually put in rules in place yeah. to affect, and they never work the way they want them to work. Um, even like when Charlotte, a couple, like last year, they were making the, the change for zoning. And it was like, oh, yeah, we want more duplexes. And I'm like, I don't think what you think is going to happen is going to happen. So... I guess my question is, is that the reason why they're doing it? And if so, will the outcomes really become with that? Will, will it just nobody buy? I guess is my question. So what's interesting to me is anytime I talk to someone on the phone, you just a basic information gathering, not going too deep, and they tell me that the credit score is less than 700, I'm going to automatically say, okay, FHA is probably going to be the best route. Because they don't get hit with the same penalties and pricing for an FHA loan that somebody would for a conventional loan. Which has always been funny to me when I see people get on to Instagram and all of these outlets and they say, all you need is a 620 FICO score. The lies. It was never something that was practical. It was theoretical at best because it would be significantly more expensive um, in rate and in payment, everything all around for somebody to go that route with such a low credit score. And breaking news, y'all, 620 is a bad credit score. Like, I I don't I mean, I know a lot of people don't really want to hear that, but it's true. Okay, Mm -hmm. so. FHA would be significantly better. So when we start talking about, I mean, it gets kind of deep, but to chunk it, um, there are two two things. So to your point, 
yes, they are trying to incentivize people to get into the housing market. I believe because housing prices have gone up so quickly and with FHA, they're lower thresholds. Like you can't buy a $600,000 house with FHA. Mm -hmm. And believe it or not, a lot of houses are $600,000 now, you know? And so I don't know if that's going to help open up that avenue um, for the people that would normally be able to get FHA, but couldn't because they weren't able to, um, get the house because of the pricing, um, the housing price, or if it's, I, I don't know. I'm assuming that that's what it is because it definitely shows that if you're a first time home buyer, you're going to get better pricing. And it definitely shows if you have a lower credit score, you're going to get better pricing. So if you fall under either of those two categories, it's good for you. Um, but a traditional run-of-the-mill, middle-of-the-road borrower is going to get a little bit worse for them. And I guess maybe they feel like they can afford to absorb it. I don't know. That's what it sounds like. Um, you know, if you can put down 20%, like, what's another $2,000? Like, whatever, you know, whatever the case is. Or, I guess the other part, I know people buy down their rates, right? So is that a way for mortgage companies, per se, to get more of a kickback because people are now and their rate to get the lowest rate. So that has nothing to do with the mortgage company. It has everything to do... The loan requirements. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, that has but, nothing to do with it. So, to your point... Since so, I have the money, though, I'm going to use it to get what I want. Exactly. Right? So if you wanted that same five and a quarter that the person is putting down the 3% with the... With the, with the whatever. Yeah. yeah, 620 credit score. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can absolutely have it. But you're going to have to pay for it. You just got to buy your rate down, like we would have. You know, I mean, that's yeah. that's where you'd have to buy it down. It's just the pricing is going to be um, much more favorable to someone with a lower credit score and someone with um, a lower amount of money to put down. The Biden administration is more friendly, you know. Um, Democrats, I think, are probably just historically more friendly toward uh, lower income people, and so. We are in a little bit of a housing crisis. The reason why I don't think this is going to really shift anything is because the part that has not been talked about is the mortgage insurance. So, everybody, um, try to stick with me if, if you can. So, I'll quote your rate. Okay, your rate is 5.25. Your payment's going to be $1,700. Well, a part of your $1,700 is your mortgage insurance, your principal interest, property taxes, homeowner's insurance, and mortgage insurance. Mm-hmm. There are only about five mortgage insurance uh, companies in the United States. That's it. it like, it, it's not going to vary. Like, you know, Joy and Tony can't open a mortgage insurance shop. It's not like regular insurance. And so they have their own formula and algorithm based upon the same variables that I mentioned earlier as to how much they're going to charge you per month to ensure that your loan. So, you know, in the event that you default on the loan, they're thinking, okay, well, if we charge them, you know, $300 a month, maybe, you know, if they default, then it won't be so bad that, you know, we'll get our money back. It's okay. Those parameters have not changed. 
And so earlier when I mentioned, if I talked to somebody with less than a 700 credit score and I'm thinking, okay, FHA is probably going to be better. FHA is going to be better for them because of two things. One, because of them not getting hit um, so bad in the interest rate. But the other part, and probably in this case, more significant part, is the mortgage insurance is universal. The mortgage insurance formula is exactly the same whether you have an 800 credit score or a 580 credit score. And so because I know that the private mortgage insurance companies haven't changed their pricing, it's still going to hurt your pockets financially as for like the amount that your actual payment's going to be. Mm-hmm. Because if you're going conventional, you'll find it. Like I said, I've, I've seen people that have had, you know, three, four, five hundred dollars a month mortgage insurance. Craziness. You know, um, but the irony of that is the only people that ever get so uptight and scared and worried about mortgage insurance are people that have good credit. Like, I don't want PMI. And I'm like, but it's only going to be $80. So somebody's $80 that has good credit is going to be somebody's $350 for bad credit. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it's going to really move the needle as much as maybe they want. I don't know if this is designed to make FHA less competitive. I don't know what it's designed to do, but it's really going to mess a lot of people up. A lot of people. I mean, obviously change is always tough when we're talking numbers and housing, right? Um, Again, I always just always caution, like, I don't feel like people often do their due diligence on what's the cause and effect and what you did. So now we're going to have another law passed to do this. Like, something else is going to have to happen down the road for it to make sense. So I can see a lot of angry taxpayers uh, when this thing kind of hits the fan, especially we're coming to another election cycle and things like that. Um, so I don't know. It's that's an interesting thing. Is it in effect today, or is it going to affect July? Or it starts May first. There has been a lot of pushback, so who knows if it's even going to take effect at all. But I didn't talk about this one additional component. Uh-oh. And this is this is like the haymaker of it all. And it's the part that we're the most concerned about because it's going to create more distrust between the borrower and the bank. It's going to potentially um, cause the borrower to not get the best interest rates that they can get. Um, and... It's the debt-to-income ratio component. So earlier I talked about we only really price for, you know, what kind of house is it, how much money you're putting down, you know, all of those things. Um, Now, if you have greater than a 40% debt-to-income ratio, you're going to be hit. And the reason why that's so weird is because with a conventional loan, you can go up to a 50% debt-to-income ratio. So, generally speaking, um, for those of you who have never spoken to a loan officer, the conversation will go something like this. Hey, uh, Mr. Miss Barrer, um, tell me, like, what kind of house do you want, the housing payment, so-and-so and so-and-so. We'll go through all of that. They'll tell me. Then I will say, all right, well, what is your income? And then I'll start to do some rough math. So if they say, oh, I make $10,000 a month. 
Okay, cool. $10,000 a month. All right. You got, you know, $5,000 a month in debt, including the mortgage. Excellent. 50% debt ratio. Okay. I could be off by a couple of dollars here or there when I get the documents, but it's just a preliminary conversation. So I have an idea of what bucket they're in, like what product, and I'm able to converse and speak intelligently about what I think might be the best fit at that moment. I'll collect the documents, and then if I have to revisit the conversation, great. What happens is if somebody's calling and they're like, hey, what's your interest rate? And I say, normally I would say, you know, what's your down payment? What's your purchase price? What's your credit score? What county are you in? That's about enough information for me to say, okay, a five and a quarter, 5.75. Now, I cannot do that. With the introduction of the debt to income ratio component, I'm not going to be able to do that. Imagine calling three different lenders and telling them your income and the debt ratio being above 40%. What do you think a loan officer is going to do? They're going to quote you the best interest rate, even though you're over the 40% amount because they want to win the business. And you know what they're going to do? They're going to deal with your attitude on the back end. So... It makes it more difficult for somebody to say, oh, well, ABC Bank is five and a quarter, XYZ Bank is 5.125, and LMNOP Bank is, I don't know, 6%. Okay. Well, you didn't realize that LMNOP got the income right, and they tell they, your debt ratio is over, whatever it is, and you're getting hit. Now, is it going to be that drastic? No, I'm using hyperbole so y'all understand. But it is absolutely in practice going to be a challenge when I get your documents and I calculate your income. And let's say, again, I calculate $10,000. And let's just say that you only have $3,900 in debt. So that's 39% debt to income ratio. Well... I really, honestly, I don't know what the property taxes are going to be. I don't know what the income is because the underwriter's job is to calculate income, not mine. Whatever the underwriter calculates, that's law, period. We can go back and forth a little bit, but a lot of people don't realize underwriters can get very creative when calculating income. So let's say that the underwriter, okay, I said it wrong, I'm sorry. What if, if I, yeah, you know, I'm right, I'm right. Yeah, I'm right. So if the, no, I was wrong. I'm sorry. So let's say I calculated your debts and you had a 41% debt to income ratio. Is that right? You what I'm trying to say? Maybe. Go with it. No, 39% debt to income ratio. I'm right. And let's say they don't give you that $10,000 in income. Got you. Okay. Now you got the $3,900 in debt, but instead of $10,000 in income, they're like, well, Joy, you were wrong. It's only $9,000. We have a problem. Your debt-to-income ratio is now over that 40%, and it's going to cost you. So when I had that nice conversation, I said, oh, you know, you're only going to have to bring $42,000 of clothes, and it's going to be great. Now I get to call you back and be like, you remember I said you only needed $42,000? I need you to bring another $2,500 of clothes. 
and now you feel like I bait and switched, I've duped you, that's going to be a bad experience. Definitely going to be how it feels. That's exactly what it's going to be. Because I'm telling you what I know, not what I heard. People are absolutely going to do that. I know it. I, people are going to, they're going to get your business. You're going to feel like you won the lottery. You're going to feel like that other loan officer, she didn't know what she was talking about. <laughs> and, you know, either way, you still going to end up at the same spot. Yeah, I've seen, well, obviously this, the current setup is a little different, but I've seen it where I was working in new construction and the company gives us, you know, four different lenders to use from. And if you use them, you get X amount of credit towards closing, right? Mm -hmm. So, of course, you want to use some of them during the, what you call it, fine. Uh, one lender was numbers was, like, really, really low. And I'm like, why is it so low? So then the home person says, hey, don't really, I don't, she says, don't use this person. Tell your client not to use that person. Use somebody else. We only have that person still on the list because there's grandfathered in, but not because we like them. And that's the feedback I get as a realtor. So now i got to steer you away from somebody who gave you, quote, unquote, a great rate. Ooh, that's because, exactly, because they gave you a great rate because we don't think that they actually be able to close on what they told you to. And, again, I don't see the finances. I'm just the third party in this. And, again, she gave us the list without the recommendations in the beginning, but she could have did that then. But she literally just said, hey, oh, yeah, John isn't really that good. You should probably use this person or that person. So why is John still on your list if he's not that good person, right? So that's what we run into as realtors. So we're in the middle of this because, again, the finances is not our business. You tell me what your number is, and we go from there, right? So I definitely can see that happening often, unfortunately, which is going to make... Oh, yeah, we're going to lie. Yeah, which is going to make it really, really tough. I'm just going to be honest. We're going to lie. <laughs> it's it's going to happen. Like, don't you worry. Because, like I said, a more responsible loan officer is going to just quote you off the top at the worst case scenario. But because consumers are hard-headed and emotional, I'm, <coughs> I'm going to get a better, I'm going to get better pricing with somebody. Okay, well, that's fine. You got it. All right. Because it's a much easier sale for me to tell you something higher up front. And then say, oh, okay, no, don't worry about it. You're bringing $2,000 less. Now you think we're heroes. If it's the other way around, you're going to want to call the CFPB. You want to file a complaint with the Better Business Bureau. You're going to get all on the Facebook and, and want to blow up everybody's career. And it's, I mean, but I don't know how it's going to work out. But I, I can see that ending poorly. It'll for a be, lot of people. It'd definitely be pretty bad. And Joy could just blame the underwriter because it'd be their fault, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's an underwriter. It's not me. I didn't do it. That I is didn't a, do it. A lot. I know I didn't say a lot. I just asked a few questions because I'm sure those are the questions that people are going to ask. But, um, yeah, like I said, the, the, the market, if this goes through, the market in the summer, spring, summer is going to be really different um, as a result. So. It is, but again, that goes back to the thing that we always talk about. You gotta have money. Gotta have money. You gotta have money because I'm telling you, what's gonna happen is, is a couple of things, and I tell you who won't be paying for it is the bank. One thing that's gonna happen is you get the people that like barely qualify, right? They have maxed out every, every, everything. And it's now gonna be a situation where it's like, oh, well, you need an extra $2,000. Well, they don't have it. Well, where are they gonna get it from? I don't know. Your commission. Because it's not coming from the bank. I'm, you know, I mean, seriously. 
So I think it's going to be important not just for consumers to understand this information, not just for lenders to understand it, but for realtors that some of them like to push, 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 push. If the loan officer knows that this person barely qualifies and don't have any money, don't keep begging, oh, can they get, can they get, can they get? Because if they end up in a scenario like this, you're going to get your commission reduced because you want this transaction to go through so bad. So I would just strongly advocate and, and, and admonish the messaging to be the same. Y'all cannot buy a house with no money. You must have money above and beyond what you need for that transaction to close, specifically for things like this that's coming on the horizon. Uh, I like that as a, a message of the day. Have money. Be prepared. Know the market is changing, so um, stay ready, right? If you stay ready, you should be able to close and get your house in any market if you're unprepared. Again, you'll be on the sidelines waiting for whatever change comes in the pipeline. So I think that was a good message. So, All right, well, folks, that's all the time we have for today. Hopefully, we've uh, shared some stuff that you can use to uh, spark some discussion with your family and friends. If you love what you heard, please uh, share, like the episode. Um, again, we need more people to listen to get the information. Again, our goal is just to help people to become homeowners. Um, again, that's one person at a time. So definitely, if you like what you heard, share this with someone. Thank you. Peace. Paid off, got a house that I own. Buckets paid off, got a house that I own.